Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. Got to start with some bad dad jokes, okay? Can I get an amen? I bought some shoes from a drug dealer. I don't know what he'd laced them with, but I was tripping all day. Okay. Atheism is a non-profit organization. Some of you are just now getting it. Some of you haven't gotten it yet. Okay. That's why it's a... Does anyone need an ark? I know a guy. Okay, I'm going to start right there. I'm going to get in trouble. Good morning. God bless you. I am... I, I have this almost giddy feeling this morning about what I'm going to talk about, but the title doesn't sound very giddy. It actually sounds very cumbersome. We've been talking about spiritual disciplines for the last several weeks, and um, we're going to, I'm going to ask you to put on your thinking cap with me today. I'm going to we're going to actually talk a little theology, uh, but before I do, I, I want to kind of set the framework of what we want to talk about today. Um, elite level athlete, athletes are like Olympians or college All-Americans or even better, somebody that makes it to the professional ranks either in soccer or badminton. I mean, it doesn't matter. Any kind of athletic endeavor has its elite athletes. Now, uh, let's say you get to the level of the, uh, some of you made it to like sixth grade soccer. Any, any sixth grade soccer? Okay, we had some sixth grade soccer. Did any of you make it to the pro level here? Did anybody here do that? Okay, I don't think so. I, I, maybe, maybe. I, I don't want to. Some people made it maybe to the college level. Did anybody make it to the college level in soccer? All right. Yeah, we've got a few. We've got maybe to the college level in basketball or, or a sport. You know, uh, some of us got to different levels. But here's something interesting about every one of us, no matter the level that we got to. We did the same drills at every single level. We never stopped doing the basic drills. I don't care how, I, 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 I love watching the videos of the NFL players when they start having their, their summer camp, I guess it starts in July, and they have to report. And you see these Guys that are getting paid, some of them, millions of dollars to play the game. And their coach 
is making them go through the exact same thing that Levi is doing in the eighth, uh, you know, seventh or eighth grade. They're the exact same drills. There's no difference in the drill. And the coach is saying the same stupid thing. Those are the difference between what I call, I'm going to use an analogy here, so, so follow along with me. That's the difference between, you know, the locker room talk at halftime or before a game, they show it. In basket, especially basketball games and football games. If you ever watch those, some of you ladies go, I don't watch sports at all. I don't even know what you're talking about. But for those of you who do, they, they've got a whiteboard and the coach is with the, he's got a marker and he's talking and he's pointing and he's encouraging and he's inspiring. And everybody goes, all right, let's go kill him. I mean, that's, that's what you want to do to the enemy that's, uh, that you're going to be opposing. And that's what the, it's a, it's In a way, that's kind of what Sunday morning is. Can I just tell you, that's not how those elite athletes became elite athletes. They did not get to be the elite athlete because they got a pep talk before the game. Or they got a final, refined little bit of of game plan Now, often what the coach will do is say, okay, guys, I really want to focus on this. This team, they've got Tom Brady, so we're not going to stop him. We just want to slow him down. And here's how we're going to slow him down. And that's all the coach is trying to say, okay? So, what does that have to do with spiritual disciplines? Well, spiritual disciplines are what I call the non-sexy part of following Jesus. Okay? Did you use spiritual disciplines and Jesus and sexy in the same? Yes, I did. I did. I hope you can appreciate that. But before we get into all the spiritual disciplines that we want to talk today, which means we may actually not get there, because I want to do some review, because... This, this is not game day. This is uh, Monday afternoon practice. We're going to just talk about really practical things. And if you are uninspired, can I tell you how I hated Monday afternoon practices? Because I played college football, and Monday afternoon was getting chewed out for the last game and getting told how bad you're going to get fe- defeated before the team you're going to play next week, if you don't get better. I mean, that's the way my, and we were, you know, we lost one or two games a year. So sometimes uh, that kind of conversation helps. It makes you, especially if you're competitive. No, everybody doesn't have a competitive spirit. So sometimes folks need to be encouraged. But here's the bottom line is we got to talk about nitty gritty details. And one of the nitty gritty details is let's go over what we've already been working on all during spring practice and fall two-a-days. I'm, I'm extending my football analogy because that's the only sport I really know. And so the first thing we heard way back when Craig Turner was here, and then again last week when Ben was teaching, was a discipline of disciplining ourselves to hear the voice of the Lord, either in the Word of God 
or the Word of God that uh, is according to the Word of God. And I explained the very first week kind of what the means of grace are. These spiritual disciplines are like if, if grace were a meal, the plate would be served on, uh, the, the meal would be served on that plate. So let's imagine all of these spiritual disciplines. As I said, none of you remember the plate of your favorite restaurant. That's not the big deal. It's the meal. It's the grace that God gives. But this is the way he delivers it. Meditation in and on the scriptures is something Travis did a great job. You ought to listen to it if you have any struggle with that. um, Then we talked about a profession of our love for Jesus to others, also known as evangelism. Then a couple of weeks ago, Chris did an incredible job of professing our love for Jesus. I mean, excuse me, confessing our sins to one another. And I have a quote, the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works, St. Augustine. So here are the remaining disciplines that we want to cover, but we're not going to be able to. Generosity, the discipline of service or becoming a servant. Submission, prayer. Next week, we're going to be discussing the spiritual discipline of prayer. Simplicity, solitude, and silence. The Lord's Supper, worship, forgiveness, fasting. I know that's everybody's favorite. And then frugality. And actually, there's more than that. There's more spiritual disciplines than this. But these are are like a, a coach has a toolbox of exercises. One of the toolboxes for running backs, that's the guys that get the handoffs by the quarterback, is a, a exercise where they run through ropes. Back when I was a kid, we ran through tires because we were poor. And they would line up these tires and you'd have to step, high step into the tires. What is the purpose of that drill for running backs? Why would we do that with running backs and not offensive linemen? Because somebody's trying to tackle those running backs, and you want your running backs to be what is called a high stepper because it's much harder to grab your ankle when it's right here than when it's right here. Now you go, oh, that's what that drill's for. Yes, because what you want is you want your running backs not to think about high stepping. You want him to instinctively do that. Are you tracking with me here? I know some of you gals are going, I don't like football, Steve. Would you? Okay, ballet. You want that person to stand on their tippy toe without any thought about how painful and awful that looks to their feet. What is, the, what is required for that to happen? One word. What? Practice. Yes. Practice. Nobody's focused on the running the ropes. They don't even think about that. What they want is to score touchdowns. What they want is to be able to do the nutcracker like nobody's ever done the nutcracker before. Okay. Let's, let's look at some scriptures about what I'm talking about. 
Because what I want to do is just, this is, this is a little theology. It's really practical. It's the why behind these spiritual disciplines. 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 10 says this. I'm reading out of the ESV. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. For while bodily training is of uh, some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for, listen to this, the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. It's kind of fascinating. What he's saying is, look, folks, can I just say, this is really important, team. You need to accept this. I know what I'm talking about. That's what the Apostle Paul is essentially saying right there. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Let's, get, let's go to the next verse. I'm going to come back and unpack these. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. How many of you can say this? Father pleasers. Father pleasers. I want to be a... I want to be a... I want to please the Father. That's what Jesus was. He was a Father pleaser. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive compensation. I don't like that word. For his deeds done through the body in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. I thought we weren't, I thought we didn't earn salvation. How many of you know we didn't earn our salvation? I mean, that's a major doctrine of the church. So what's this compensation stuff that that he's talking about? Wow, Steve, you're messing me up. Well, I, I want to mess you up I, I, because the Bible messes you up. He, the, Paul loves to mess with our head because he's, 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 he's not trying to just spoon feed us. He's wanting us to be able to eat steak as well. So that we're, we're cutting a little steak this morning. And then let's look down to the next verse in Romans 16, 6, 19. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as once you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawless, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So, by the way, what are your members? What is that? Your physical body. That's, that's literally what it means to present your physical body as slaves to righteousness. 
There is, in Protestantism particularly, but also in Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox Christianity, the belief, most good theologians don't believe this, but there's, there's kind of this idea that the body is basically just bad. And part of the reason they think it's just bad is, be, is the way the scripture sometimes reads in our translations because it talks about our flesh. And a lot of modern translations, the literal translation means our flesh, our, our physical flesh, like, you know, this and this. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about something else, but not that. And the NIV talks about our old self or our lesser being is another way it's describing it. So that's the part that can be confusing. But here's, here, let me just say it this way. Adam and Eve had a body, right? Before the fall, was it, was it bad? It wasn't any worse than their soul or their spirit. It was innocent. It was perfect. One of the arguments is that we kind of don't believe our flesh can actually help us in our spirituality. And what I'm going to talk to you today about is how you can literally exercise yourself physically into increased spirituality. And you go, what are you talking about, Steve? Well, here's what I'm talking about. Lord Jesus I bow myself before you. You know, you don't do that doing this. What did I just do? What, what, are, what are the two things I just manifested in front of you? One was pride, and the other was physical humility. And I didn't do that with my spirit. I did it with my body. Your body needs to be presented as a means to sanctification. Now, what does sanctification mean? It's a fancy word. It means to make you holy so that you begin to run with your knees real high when somebody is trying to tackle you like the enemy. And it's an instinct you have Instead of you getting barraged and blitzed and baffled by the social media that is coming at you and you don't know what to believe, you've been practicing spiritual disciplines away from Facebook and Instagram and you've been forcing yourself to be disciplined to run the ropes of Romans 8. Are you getting it? So, what does sports, muscle memory, and spiritual disciplines have in common? How many of you know, have you ever heard the word muscle memory? I mean, we've all heard about it. A good example is how many of you know where D is on the keyboard? 
How many of you can point to it right now in your mind? How many of you can point to it without thinking? That's what, I can't, I cannot, I'm thinking, now where is D? Is it, yeah, it's on the, it's on the right side, right? In the middle, somewhere? Or is it left? Or is it, you know what? I can't tell you right now. I've got to be on a team. Why? Muscle memory. I mean, if, if, I had, if, if you had to explain exactly where it is, how many of you realize you'd start making mistakes about, some of you would, people like me would. I mean, I don't know it that good anyway, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a 30-word guy, you know, I'm slow. Some of you guys can do like 80 words a minute. You're amazing, and your fingers don't need to be told what to do, do they? It's called muscle memory. Part of the spiritual disciplines we're talking about here is to create spiritual muscle memory, not just through kind of a, quote, spiritual exercise, but a physical spiritual combination. All right? I'm going to give you a definition here. Spiritual disciplines are the intentional choosing of a series of Christ-like decisions and practices that become ingrained habits that become a lifestyle of instinctive Christ-like actions. A series of practices that are based on Christ-like decisions. And these practices become ingrained habits that become a lifestyle leading us to Christ-likeness. Here's, here's part of what I'm trying to get at. Many of us look at the words of Jesus and the words of Paul and the words of John and kind of their truth they talk about. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we, 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 we really like to focus in on what they said about a certain subject matter. But what we completely almost ignore is if it had nothing to do with the insight that they are teaching us about is the day-to-day practices in their spiritual life. It's like a complete disconnect. So when it says that Jesus got up very early in the morning and went to be alone in a solitary place, we go, but that's Jesus. Instead of going, that's what Michael Jordan does. You know that, that, that logo of Michael Jordan kind of, I'm not even going to try, I might hurt myself. <laughs> but, but you know that logo. And so... You can, you, I love watching kids that are playing basketball, and they'll do the, they do it, and it, it's not even close, but they're working on it, and you know, if that kid keeps working on it, and he keeps getting coached, and he keeps learning, and if he has incredible talent, he may someday be like Michael Jordan. We have to actually do the same things Jesus did and the same things that Paul did, and we have to make some of the physical, these are, these are things 
we do. My, my first point is spiritual disciplines are for our embodied self. People go, well, you're not your body. Really? Huh. You know, if, if uh, let, let's put it this way. Don't tell that to a widow or a widower. That self is gone. They'll never see them again this side of eternity. That's why there's so much sadness and grief. Because their body is gone and their spirit is gone and their soul is gone, their intellect is gone, their emotions are gone, they're gone. And it's physical. It's not, we are in, unlike God who is a spirit that doesn't have a body, God is a spirit. He doesn't have a body. That's why the incarnation is such an amazing miracle that God himself would confine himself to the same dimensions that you and I were confined to. You and I are confined beings, and part of our, con- our, our main confiner is our body, and that's why the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead is so important. Not a single one of you will spend eternity without your body. You're going to have a body. And it's going to be raised from the dead on that day. And in fact, what you did in your body is going to be, you're going to give an account to the Lord for it. You're going to be among those who are going to, this is the awards banquet. And the only people that get into the awards banquet are the ones that have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the final judgment. How how many of you knew that? Some of you might have been a little confused about it. But, you know, some of us, and, and I, he's not going to forget a cup of cold water. Most of us, when I, when you, minute you say this, everybody goes, oh, I'm going to be at the back of the, I'm going to be like the most unvaluable player. (laughs) You know, there's the most valuable player. Paul makes the most valuable player team, you know, you know, St. Francis makes, Mother Teresa makes the most, you know, Heidi Baker makes the most valuable player team, you know, all-star teams. There's going to be spiritual all-stars. I'll just tell you, there's nothing you do sometimes that's in your body that it goes unrecognized and unrecorded and unnoticed by the Father. When you make that sacrifice of choosing to humble yourself, part of the reason we have so much antipathy for spiritual disciplines in the Protestant church is it really got weird in the Roman Catholic church and during the medieval period. You know, monks would be walking around the streets taking ropes that, and they, they, they call it flagellation. Not that other word, all you fifth graders. They would beat themselves. 
and they would beat themselves till they would actually bleed. That's, that's called asceticism. And guess where that word asceticism comes from? It comes from the Greek word train. And it's the exact same word that we see right there in bodily training is of some value that he talks about there in 1 Timothy. It's that same exact word. The training of our bodies. And so what happened is asceticism kind of got a new definition during the medieval era. And it was just all this crazy, weird, religious gobbledygook. On tri- you know, People would literally get to a church building, put a bunch of glass down on it, and crawl on their way to the cross and kiss it as, as a way to do penance. Can I tell you what that is? There's a theological word for that. It's called stupid. Okay. It, it, it's, and Canterbury Tales, Chaucer's, all that kind of made, was making fun of that whole kind of era of silliness. That's not what we're talking about here, folks. This is just two-a-day drills so you can be the all-star that God wants you to be. It's, it's, it's that simple. <laughs> Are you following me? <clears throat> I want to read kind of a summary of Romans 8, 5 through 8. Just, and this is taken from another translation. Uh, For the outlook of the lower nature, or the old ingrained habits of sin, self, is at enmity with God. It's not subject to the law of God. And indeed, it cannot be. Those who live on such a level cannot possibly please God. See, if you want to be a father pleaser, you've got to break out of your own old ingrained sin habits. And part of what is... This is, this is just some good approach to exegesis or hermeneutics. or another. Those are fancy words for how do you read the Bible and not mess it up okay one thing you have to understand is sometimes the bible is talking to people that he's been talking to in a conversation before and they have a whole world of context that you don't have that's why we all have to approach the scripture very humbly with with a a willingness to listen to people that have studied it for a long long time and have thought through some of these complexities that doesn't mean that simple young believers can't study the Scripture. Please don't get me wrong about this. It just means that's why there are, you know, hey, I'm thinking this. Is this am I okay on that? That's called humility. That's, that's the frame of mind that all of us, no matter who we are, have to have when we come to approach the Scripture, okay? But a lot of times when we read something, we don't understand the context. So here's a context. The Jews were practitioners of all kinds of spiritual disciplines. It was almost like, I, I want to talk about the plays that were going to run in the game. And somebody's going, yeah, but aren't you going to talk about those Grass drills you do on practice? No, I want to talk about the game. Are you following here? What, what happens is a lot of us miss the fact that for us to begin to practice these ingrained 
practices, these spiritual habits, this, you know, we, we hear a, a spiritual truth. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. We hear that and we go, you have been crucified with Christ. That's a doctrinal statement. What's the two-a-day grass drill that's going to put that into your life? I'll tell you one. Servanthood. Serving somebody else. How about this? How about submission? You go, what does that mean, Steve? I'm an American. I'm not going to get into those. I'm not going to make it today. We're not going to get into any of the spiritual disciplines that I was going to, because this is, I really want to set it up for us today. Let me read this. When you, we look closely and continually at Jesus, I'm, I'm quoting Dallas Willard here. We do, no, do not lose sight of this one fundamental crucial point. The activities constituting the disciplines have no value in themselves. The aim and substance of spiritual life is not fasting, prayer, worship, simplicity, and so forth. Rather, it is the effective and full enjoyment of the active love of God and humankind in all the daily rounds of normal exist where we are placed bodily. The spiritually advanced person is not one who engages in lots and lots of disciplines any more than a good child is one who receives lots and lots of continuing instruction or punishment. People who think that they are superior spiritually because they make a practice of a discipline such as fasting or silence or simplicity are entirely missing the point. The need for extensive practice of a given discipline is an in indication of our weakness, not our strength. We can even lay it down as a rule of thumb that if it's easy for us to gauge in certain disciplines, we probably don't need to practice them that much. The disciplines we need to practice are precisely the ones that we're not good at, and hence we do not enjoy. Pete Rose is probably the best baseball player not in the Hall of Fame because of gambling. But he was an incredible baseball player, and here's what he used to say. Why are you so good? He was maybe the best infielder that's ever played the game. And he said, well, I always practice on what I'm not good at, not what I am good at. He always did the things that, and I, I have never forgotten that, a, a uh, one of the guys I played college football was next door neighbor to Pete Rose, so I'm kind of a Cincinnati Reds fan because of that. But I, I, I remember hearing that story, I work on what I'm not good at. And so uh, that has kind of been a, a thing, a discipline in my own life. If I don't like it very much, I try to do it just so I can get a little better at it. And if it's something I really like, I don't practice much on it. And so um, what we're talking about, so for instance, how many, 
love fasting. I haven't, I mean, seriously, does anybody here love fasting? I mean, some people love, oh, okay, we got it. There's one person in this room that does not need to fast every week. Uh, Several years ago, I read one of my dead spiritual mentors, John Wesley, uh, that he fasted once a week all of his life in ministry. So I got the conviction that I am going to fast once a week. I hated that day. I got to the point I was dreading that day. Except after about six months of that, I could not believe what had had begun to transpire in my life. And so I still don't enjoy fasting. Most people don't. It means you've got to be hungry. And so if you want to do a a water fast, it means you're going to be thirsty too. And that's not advisable for most folks. But the point I'm making is, what was the purpose of that? Just to go hungry? No, it was to say, my body is not the superior being, part of my being. My intellect's more important than my body, and so is my spirit man. It's more important than my body. My prayer life uh, is, needs to be fed as much as my physical flesh. I need to learn the discipline of fasting. Now, that's the only thing we're going to teach on fasting. Part of the summons that, as a church, we want to, you know, our goal in discipleship is that you resemble Jesus, that there's, a, there's identity confusion, that people are confused because they think you look like and act like and seem like Jesus. That, that's, we resemble Jesus, that you are a... You are disguised as a software engineer who actually is representing Jesus. That you are disguised as a school teacher who actually resembles Jesus. That you are someone who is mistaken for somebody they've never met anyone quite like you. That's our goal here. You know, if we can create a church that is filled with people like that, you know what's going to happen? We're not going to have to work very hard at evangelism. Evangelism will just happen. Because people will have a mistaken idea that we're a lot like Jesus. And that's the purpose of these spiritual disciplines. It's not so you can go, I have my spiritual, I fasted this week, how about you? I spent 48 hours in prayer this week. Well, you know, maybe you need to spend 48 hours in prayer, but there's a spiritual discipline I didn't mention. It's called secrecy. Learning to let everything you do be seen only in private. Well, one day we're going to study the spiritual discipline of generosity. I had a lot of good stuff to say about that. And the spiritual discipline of service. I had even more good stuff on that one.
and then the spiritual discipline of submission. Which, by the way, believe it or not, has been one I've tried to practice a lot. Because a lot of my life I've been a leader. And it's really hard for leaders to think they should submit to anything. I think that part of what is so critical in all of us is we've got to remember our goal. What's our goal? To be like Jesus. We want people to be confused. They want... That, that, how do you lead and be submissive at the same time? Well, that's all you're getting on submission. But here's what I'm wanting. I want to invite you to embracing a life of spiritual disciplines with your body. How many of you know it's really hard to sing like this? How do you sing? With your lungs, your mouth, your vocal cord, your arms, your legs, your body. You begin to worship God with your body. The doctrine of the laying on of hands. How many of you know that's a foundational doctrine like repentance and faith and the resurrection and laying on of hands? Why is that in the middle of those Because our bodies are important. And when you lay hands on somebody, God can actually do something in their life. Like heal them. And you go, I didn't feel a thing. And they get healed. What we do with our bodies every morning I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice. I got challenged years ago. When you wake up in the morning, make that your prayer. Lord, I give you my body, not just my mind and my intellect and my spiritual innermost being I give you my body which is my reasonable service of worship and I place it before you to do as you will and what I like about his is he said I am begging you therefore and all of therefore is everything in Romans chapters 1 through 11 some of the greatest truth in all of the Bible. And he kind of summarizes, said, if you don't give your body as a spiritual, all that stuff, you'll never attain it. Let's pray. Let's all stand up. Lord Jesus, I want you to, let's make a prayer together, a confession prayer together. I want, I, I hadn't, I haven't crafted a prayer here. I'm just going to pray. Well, I'll just pray the prayer I, I pray, and I want you to pray it after me. Good morning, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for creating this day. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. This morning, I give myself to the triune God. 
I give my body, my soul, and my spirit. I surrender it to you. I yield all of the members of my body to you. I yield my thoughts. I yield my exercise. I yield my sexuality. I yield my spirit man. I ask you to receive all of me. And I receive all of you this morning. Amen. That's, by the way, it didn't take nearly as long for me to do that as I just did. But that's what I do. I go to all the problem areas and I give it to him. Start with my mind. That's where your biggest problem area is, between your ears. And then it's your physical body, your appetites. Most of us, if you're a male, it's your sexuality. It's amazing when you start making those kind of prayers healthy. It's amazing what the Lord begins to do. You just don't notice those things much anymore. Lord, I just pray for this body of believers. I just ask that you would... We want you to present yourself to yourself a people that have been matured who have been transformed, who cause a lot of confusion in the world. People are really confusing them that Jesus is is back on the planet. That's our prayer. Amen.